That's that, that, I, don't that want that, I don't want that committed to uh... <laughs> just nowhere. No, no, no it's all evidence. Yeah, no. Uh... Like how people people think of like everything is content. I think uh-huh. of like everything is evidence. Don't talk. Stay yeah. off the ground. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a that is a good philosophy. Autobots transform and roll out. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome back for another thrilling episode of Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers. This is the podcast where two mics talk about Transformers Animated one episode at a time. My name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers Animated before this project, and guiding me along on this journey is uh, is the other titular Mike. It's Michael Andrews. Hey, hello. Yes, I'm the guru of watching old episodes of cartoons from 2007. So here I am. A, a, a serial rewatcher. Serial rewatcher. And sometimes with uh, actual serial, Saturday morning cartoon style. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. You know, and that that reminds me, I, I, I don't even know why I didn't think of this until now. So like, I, I didn't watch TFA when it first aired from, what was it, like 2008 to 2009 or, or some such like yeah. that. When did it air? Was it on it like 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 nighttime, I, I guess in a sense. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm I'm not making a joke. I'm wondering. It's like, was there ever a time it was on like Saturday morning? Because I don't think Saturday morning cartoons as we know them now aren't really a thing. It's kind of like entertainment information stuff. Anytime you turn on a a show on uh, network television on Saturday morning and you see like that E slash I, turn it off. Done. Right. No, no, nothing good there. It- <laughs> well, I can tell you uh, from firsthand experience, I know that the pilot up movie aired like prime time. I think it was like a Friday night or something because mm-hmm. I had my friends over for a little viewing party. It was definitely after hours. Um, but the show, I don't know the airing schedule exactly, but I know it definitely did air some Saturday mornings because there's sort of an infamous picture of me that my girlfriend at the time took. Um, she took a picture of me watching Transformers animated. I'll try to find the picture because it's, it's kind of nice little throwback, but <laughs> me watching the show and with a caption of like, this is why we're going to be late for the science museum or something like that. Aww. Cause I was like, hold on, hold on. We can't go yet. <laughs> or he like, he loves Transformers more than me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find that picture. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And then we'll try to dissect uh, what episode is actually airing on the screen. That should be the that'll be the game. Yeah, I has, I still haven't figured it out yet. But that that would be a good game. So it, it's it's probably not this one. Episode six, blast from the past. And my goodness, I mean, like th- there's going to be so much to unpack here. I mean, I mean, this is I you know I I don't want to stick my neck out too far, but this 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 is probably my favorite episode of the run that i've seen so far i i really 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 enjoyed this episode but we can kind of uncork that as we go because one of the cool gimmicks about our podcast is like i'm experiencing this for the first time i literally watched this episode last night before we recorded so it's it's very fresh in mind and i i'm i'm really eager to talk about it yeah yeah it's really fun but but before we jump into it mike i just wanted to we've been talking about tfcon and stuff like that tfcon is in the air if you will 
Sure. Um, so I just, it, it reminded me because I had some Transformers memories. We were talking a little bit offline that the very first Transformers TFCon that I went to was very, for me personally, Transformers animated themed because I specifically went there with the goal of finding a Sentinel Prime from that show. Yeah. But I did on the on the last day, I got this weird thing because I was buying a or I was trying to buy a TF animated uh, Rekgar. And the seller wouldn't budge on the price. And I was like, come on, it's Sunday. You know, (laughs) wheeling and dealing. It's like, do you want to take it home or do you want to sell it? That's right. I go full swindle on Sundays. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But but so he wouldn't budge on the price. And I was like, okay, I'll take it as long as you throw in this. And I know this is like, you know, it's a podcast. So this show and tell isn't a great thing. But this is like a weird. You can post pictures of it too. But it's like this weird, big box full of transformers animated themed board games and it's a very like fancy luxury opening box that has like little drawers and stuff that pull out and then up top you get these you get the pvc of the characters um they're little little figurines yeah and they become like the pieces for the board game that you play Um, but they're also just really cool detailed miniatures that like paint apps on them are really cool i never saw this for sale in stores but I used to have a background in fancy uh, packaging yeah, uh, yeah. for a fancy packaging company. And uh, yeah, I can tell you this box is pretty high end. That is, I mean, it's got, it a, looks like Optimus. It's got a nice glossy sheen. So yeah, the front of it yeah. is the, the iconic vehicle mode of, of Optimus Prime's cab over truck. And yeah, yeah it's got these flip out panels. Very, very cool. Very, very glossy and very nice presentation. And Velcro tabs. That's the sign oh, of that. high elegance. That's really, really cool. That's cool. And I just like it because like I don't they don't really like make tie in stuff like like, you know, back in the day, just anything that came out, it was like slap it on a lunchbox, slap it on a board game, slap it on everything possible. Yeah, napkins. You know. And I think that's what drew me to this because it was like this is just like a great throwback to another time of like put whatever on a board. game. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Is is the game any good? It's very it's very simple. And like it's sort of like a maybe like a slightly upgraded Candyland. Like oh, it's sure. Very like roll a dice, go to do a thing, but mm-hmm. it's fun. Nice, nice. I, I dig it. Speaking speaking of uh, actually one more little thing. Speaking yeah. of uh, Transformers animated board games, uh, we're going to be often referencing the uh, Transformers All Spark Almanac. But in yeah. the middle of the book, you know, this thing's just full of like random stuff. Like it's not like a I wouldn't say it's a carefully curated. Uh, mix it's kind of just like very random stuff but in the best way possible like they're throwing in like napkin cocktail napkin sketches of stuff and like and in the middle of the book when you open it up it's like they made a board game i don't know if they made it just for this book but it's like just a random board game in the middle of it that's pretty awesome so so can we talk about that book for for just a hot sec because like so you know i i made the mistake on a a previous episode of thinking that like the tfa dvds were were rare or hard to come by or whatever i i don't i don't remember where i got that notion Uh, a couple folks have, have since corrected me on that but like if i'm not mistaken this book the 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 one you have is kind of rare and hard to come by, right? Yeah, at least it was when I got it, which was actually only a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of tough to find, but I think they have it now on, uh, like you can get it on Comixology or like the Kindle Comics app. You can get it in its two parts. It might even be like free for Comixology readers. Oh, nice. Sweet. Oh yeah, here, I'll just to hold it up for you. This is the, the board game insert here. 
Oh, look at that. Very and it's pretty cool. advanced. There's like leveling up features and stuff like that. Uh, they kind of put a lot of thought into it to just be like a two-page <laughs> spread in a almanac. So you're telling me the, the, the board game insert in the AllSpark almanac is a better board game than the Transformers animated board game. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I just wanted to make sure I, I, uh, I, I got that. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and, and I'm sure we will refer back to that tome, that uh, iconic document uh, uh, several times more as, as, as we go through. So yeah, so for today's episode, and again, it's, it's a big one. It's a, uh, it is definitely a big one. We are talking about episode six, Blast from the Past, uh, which originally aired on January 12th of 2008, according to TF Wiki, which now that I, now that I'm piecing this together, that is before episode five, uh, Total Meltdown. I, I didn't really uh, piece that together until just now, but like, hmm. I, I, I know we've retired uh, numbers legislation, but I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if just after I wrote a jingle for that bit too. How <laughs> I know, unfair. <laughs> right? But I, I wonder if it's worth looking at when these episodes actually aired. Yeah, that's interesting. Um I mean I guess we're going by the two B viewing viewing order. So Correct. Yeah. Whatever whatever happens, we're going by that. And 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 I think that's that's how it's in order on all the DVDs and and, and everywhere else. So and it is interesting because um, now, now that's that's a needle or a, a a thorn that's going to be stuck in the back of my mind as we go through some of these episodes of how connected they actually are. Because I would say this episode here, episode six, kind of lives on its own. It, it's it's pretty self contained. Whereas, yeah. but also not really, because you would have to have seen episode for home is where the spark is to understand what's going on in this episode. Whereas episode five, uh, total meltdown feels more self-contained in that, like they can move it around a little bit. I mean, like there, mm. there's some basic tropey stuff like of like, you know, Bumblebee being obnoxious, Prowl being a dick and, you know, kind of like the, the ongoing uh, burgeoning relationship and friendship between Prowl and bulkhead. Like, like you see, their their yeah. um, their dy- increments in their dynamic as each episode goes. I wonder how that could get tossed around if you start looking at these in in air date order. Because I mean, oh, again, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going way beyond the brief here, but like you know, one of the things I had said in our last episode about Total Meltdown is like you get like back to back Bumblebee being a little shit. So right. it's, you know, if you flop the order of these, does that have that same impact or does it have more impact where it's like, God damn it, Bumblebee's back on his nonsense, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. But well, next season, when we drop the uh, two Mike, two furious streaming app, we'll have a proper, we'll have the two B <laughs> viewing order lineup and then the chronological. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the machete episode. order of yeah. how, to, how, to, how, to, how to, how to watch TFA. My sure. gosh. But another thing I wanted to say just before we drop into the episode proper, um, this yeah. episode was written by Kevin hops. And I wanted to mention that because if you dig way, 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 back into his imdb writing credits one of the things he wrote was an episode of small wonder 
And uh, last oh, episode, of... we were talking about Small Wonder and uh, Out of This World. So huh. this is a, kind of an old school writer. He also worked on that show. Interesting. Another robot show. See, I, ironically enough, and, and you know, and I, I was too shy to say this in the in the uh, in, in the previous episode when we were talking about Small Wonder and Out of This World. But I I, uh, I definitely had a a age appropriate crush on the on the robot Vicky. I, I can I, I can I can admit that now. Oh yeah. To, to Did anybody big play that robot? Is there like is it like a big time actress now or anything? I don't know. Let me uh, let me take a look. See here. I, I I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. Tiffany Michelle Brissett. Yeah. I would say that's not a household name anymore. No. Oh no. And I just I just came across a a photo of um uh, adult Tiffany Brissett in in the. And, and a contemporary take on the on the Vicky costume, and I need to close that window because yeah, just that's no, no, I, on your it, computer. It's, <laughs> it's it's yeah, no, it's just she's just an adult now. I'm just like, oh, you know what? Oh. Still quite attractive. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dino Drive. Let's yeah, just jump right in. Exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. So Dino Drive. It's so it's this you know kind of like take on Jurassic Park type of thing. It's, it, you know, it's the, this uh, uh, dinosaur theme park uh, uh, type of thing. Oh, and, 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 the, and this feels like a, a weird, I don't know, all, almost like a slice of life type of thing where it's just like, well, you know, the, the Autobots are just gonna go to the, the dino drive and just have like a, a day at the park. It, it, right. it starts off pretty benign in terms of uh, like the initial initial uh, setup, but things go awry very quickly because uh, Bulkhead and, and this this is I, I get a feeling going to be a theme throughout the entire episode manages to wreck every car in his wake. In fact, um, oh, what what was it like? Oh, he, he's running late. And he's like, you know, you know, uh, oh, uh, sorry, I'm late. Did I miss anything? And it's like <laughs> Bumblebee goes, you managed to hit everyone. <laughs> such a good line. Did I miss anything? No. I'd say you hit just about every car in the lot. See, and I do. I mean, I mean, again, uh, Bumblebee is a Dennis the Menace style little shit. But yeah. I do like these zingers that. Um, uh, yeah, that. That line in particular was delivered very deadpan. It was kind mm-hmm. of like unbumblebee like. It was more like the office or something. <laughs> I really liked how yeah. it was kind of shot out there. Yeah, it, it would almost be like something like like Prowl would say. Yeah. Yeah, really dry and Yeah, because like like in the in the um last episode, it's like, oh yeah, and and oh he's short just like his fuse. You know, right. that, just just <laughs> real just again, I, I'm I'm still beaming by that 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 high five. Just like that, they're both looking ahead and just high five each other. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, right. And this, so this place, this, I was going to say this uh, dino drive that they're at, it is straight out of Jurassic Park. Like if Total Meltdown was hinting at Robocop, this episode is screaming Jurassic Park. It's got the giant gates. It's got the, you know, the, the layout. It's even got the score. Did you catch that? Like the score is very uh, Jurassic Park. I, I was, I was going to say that there's definitely, little bits and i like that it's off tune just enough to um, <laughs> uh to avoid any uh how shall we say legal entanglements right. um, but but it is definitely evocative so yeah so so they kind of run into this uh the, this tutor robot who is um it, you know is basically like 
Clippy or whatever, or is uh, <laughs> what what is Don O DNA? You know the 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 um, oh yeah. The, oh, uh, Mr. DNA. Mr. DNA. That's yeah, right. From, from, from Jurassic Park. Park. And it kind of, I mean, it, it's nowhere close to saying, uh, you know, like the, the same type of character, but it kind of fulfills the same kind of role where it's, uh, it, the, the character is apparently called Tudor Bot, but he may as well be called Exposition Bot. Right, um, because right. like, you know, he, he's talking about the dinosaur times and um, you know, it, it talks about like the dinosaurs and the robots and fossil um, fuels, and it's playing a little cartoon cartoon that's like, you know, very much like uh, Mr. DNA, like turning it into a little, you know, like fifties film reel kind of. Yeah, yeah, w- which is kind of factually inaccurate, but I, I'm I'm not a scientist. I I don't think it's one to one dinosaur bones to gas. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't, I don't think it quite works that way, but it's, it's uh, educational enough for, for a uh, children's program, but, but that is interesting. And, and this is kind of like the, you know, another instance of Transformers, the Autobots being exposed to fossil fuels and fueling and that whole perspective of like, oh, cars need dinosaur juice to go you know, that, right. that kind of thing. It's so, it's, so it's still kind of like a, a, a new concept for them. Right. Right. Yeah. And even though this is sort of exposition from exposition, bot, as you said, I do think, you know, one of the good things is about the writing of this show. It's actually becomes a plot point. This little bit of exposition actually becomes kind of a big plot point later mm-hmm. um, in the episode. So they did find a way to use it and not just info dump. Yeah. And again, the, economics of the storytelling here you know nothing gets wasted it's like almost everything that gets seeded early on in these episodes across the series from what i've seen so far it always comes back around and it i i wonder you know maybe this is like a a secret spoiler future spoiler situation and i wonder if there's going to be a time where i'm expecting it and it lets me down where it's like oh man you know so like getting so coked up on all of these payoffs I wonder if there's a time where 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 the writing's going to let me down. It's like, oh man, I was really hoping that that was going to be something because now I've mm. seen it so many times to where it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how that um that goes. Well, Mike, in the writing world, we don't say letting you down; we say subverting expectations. God damn uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so uh, uh, speaking of expectations and subverting expectations, the tutor bot, the exposition bot has um, has, has no patience for the uh, for the dinosaur saying like, you know, as as awesome as the dinosaurs are, they are no match for the XL4 processor. A dinosaur would be no mental match for an XL4 processor such as mine. Right, right. Well, yeah, you can kind of tell this is uh, probably a Sumdac invention, right? Like you're sort of toting uh, machines over organics. Yep. So in, in their world, you know, dinosaurs are just a means to getting gasoline for the, for the machine. Yeah. Uh, it, can't beat a, can't beat the processor. It really is. Wow. That, that is, that is a really cynical viewpoint. You're absolutely right. And, and that kind of comes in later with Isaac Sumdak's attitude towards the Dinobots, like in, in, in any form that they take on. It's like, you know, they're, they're very uh, disposable commodities. Yeah. It, it's really weird. It's a, it's a weird little bit of uh, jaded cynicism from Isaac Sumdak. You know, we, we talked uh, uh, earlier about 
how plot points or things that come up early in the episode pay off later. Uh, one of the other patterns I'm noticing with the uh, writing in, in these episodes is that the theme emerges early on and it, it's really made a specific point of emphasis that, you know what? I don't know if you knew this or not. I don't know if anybody knew this or not, but um, Bulkhead's kind of clumsy. Right. He's yeah. a little clumsy. He likes to, he likes to, you know, Gosh, I really, never noticed that till just it, now. I'll be, I'll be damned because, you know, this episode really does make it a point to like, Hey, you know what? The big guy runs into stuff. You know, the big guy right. smashes things, but he's also very clumsy on his feet. And, you know, uh, sometimes with disastrous results here, like when he just wrecks these dinosaur robots, but, I'm kind of okay with that because uh, exposition bot kind of kind of eat some shit here, um, <laughs> and it, even till he's like, oh no, no match for the XL4 processor. It's it's uh, no match for an XL4 processor. No match for an XL4 processor. <sighs> I I you know it just just a little bit of hubris there where it just you know it, it's kind of like when Khan and his minions are defeated and it's like, Oh, you're, you you have the superior intellect, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Just a love a little bit, a little bit yeah, of hubris bit. for, for Tudor bot here. I also think it, it, it does like the dichotomy of the dinosaurs makes for some good jokes from Bumblebee of, I oh, really yeah. like that line when he says that thing about like, Oh, uh, he's basically implying that dinosaurs sound more graceful than bulkhead. I thought that was a pretty good bit. You ask me dinosaurs move with more grace than some Autobots. Um, and it reminded me of, of that line from Miss Congeniality where Michael Caine says, my God, I haven't seen a walk like that since Jurassic Park. That's pretty um, good. So I really liked that little reference there. But yeah, Bulkhead's, you know, what he trashes all the cars in the parking lot, just kind of driving in clumsy. But then we also see the other side of the Bulkhead where he gets excited about the pterodactyl robot. And he's like, does it fly? And he like shakes the tree, like shakes the coconut tree a little yeah. bit. And then yeah. just... It's just chaos, right? Like from yeah. there, it's like in the, the scene in the library when the bookshelves are falling over and domino affecting it's everything gets gets destroyed there. Yep. I love so it. So now we got a bunch of broken uh, animatronic robots and someone's pissed because they spared no expense. <laughs> so, yeah, so the the uh, the the broken dinosaurs are taken back to uh, some deck systems for repair. And is it? here where no no it's later on but basically isaac sumdak is kind of like musing to himself about you know lamenting repairing yeah. these um these robots and um and megatron speaks yeah this is a big scene because now Huge. megatron's choosing to introduce himself to sumdak and we get to see more of what i really like about the megatron in this series is these like theatrics and he sort of does this what, what where am i like he's just waking up uh but, you know, as we know, he's been he's been up and at him for a while, which pulling shenanigans. So now he has to sort of pretend like he's this less advanced bot. Oh, you you spoke. Where? Where am I? You're in my lab in the city of Detroit on the planet Earth. It, it is a long story. Yeah, and we see so much of that in this episode. There, there's like so much great monologuing and and so much great uh, delivery from Corey Burton. And and, and again, th this version of Megatron is really growing on me because it's not it's not the the sneering menace 
of Frank Welker, there there is there there's like a, a warmth to it that yeah. that you don't necessarily always get from a Megatron. And I I really like this this um burgeoning relationship between him and Isaac Sumdak to where like I, I don't I, I'm not sure exactly why Megatron chooses this particular moment to reveal himself, but it's it, it's huge. Yeah, well, I actually it's really smart too because um, Megatron is totally playing on what Sumdak thinks about robots, right? Like we're already seeing this. Like he's you know the father of modern robotics. There's no one you know he still has his thumb on all robots. So him like introducing himself to some Megatron introducing himself to Sumdak is just playing into that because you know of course in his uh, hubris Sumdak thinks that he can. Uh, keep Megatron under control. Like you're yeah. just ahead in my lab. You're mine. You know, mm-hmm. he has no, it's so great. Cause he's like no idea that strings are being pulled behind his back. How could they, you know, how could right. they? Right. Because he he's in control and it is interesting that that arrogance and hubris. Um, and, and that seems to be very much a defining trait of, of Isaac Sumdak. He, he is, um, he is brilliant, but, he he also is prone to ego and and yeah. and with that comes uh uh comes that hubris but i do like this little exchange here because like so megatron's like oh well what happened you know i i you know where am i what's what's yeah. going on and isaac just kind of throws over his shoulder well you know it would be a long story and i think in a different show that scene would just end there and like you would go to commercial or you transition, but there's just like this, th- th- this wonderful line delivery of just like, you know, I got, I got nothing but time. Since it does not appear that I will be going anywhere soon, I have plenty of time for a long story. Yeah, right. And that's also playing into you have me right where you want me. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. So go ahead and tell me your story and to kind of to your earlier question about like why why does megatron choose this moment i think it's because we've already seen that Sumdak sort of feels guilty that he hasn't told the autobots about uh the fact that he reverse engineered one of their kind and this is all in his lab and i think megatron maybe senses that and then now he sort of justifies Sumdak and like no you do need to keep this a secret he probably saw yeah. Sumdak waffling like oh maybe i should tell the autobots and now it's like no, he's totally justified in keeping the secret because Megatron also wants him to keep it uh, until he's repaired, at least. And that's sort of the the deal that he's striking with Sumdak here is uh, repair me. Well, let's start with your dinos, dinosaur robots, but uh, you're going to repair me in the long run. Yeah, it's so like I can rejoin my Autobot friends. <laughs> oh, we we have quite the history. Oh, you, oh, you, oh. you, you're you're friends with Detroit's new heroes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we go way back, super homies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. And, and again, just that that um, delivery is just dripping with that fake sincerity. It's so yeah. good. It's yeah, so it's really good. And there's there's like this bit earlier where like the don't remember if like like Isaac leaves or something like that, but there's there there's this moment where where Megatron is continuing to like talk to himself and 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 think out loud, and he's like, "Well, you know, now I'm gonna make me some attack drones and 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 that kind yeah. of thing." Kind of kind of reveals his plan to the audience, which right. I mean, I guess there's no other way to do that because like you know you you're not privy to his internal monologue, 
So it's like, yeah, he, I guess he would have to vocally uh, say that out loud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going along with that, this, this next scene sort of ping pongs back and forth. We're seeing, it's almost a montage. It moves really quick. We see bulkhead training with Prowl because apparently if you mess up and we've learned this from Bumblebee, you have to go train with Prowl. I don't know yes. if that's what they want to do or if it's like a punishment, like you fucked up that uh, dino drive. You're going to have to go train with Prowl for a little bit. Well, you think about it, Prowl's a dick, you know, he he's prickly and he's difficult to be around. And I bet you Optimus being a good leader saying like, yeah, you know what? You're you, you done fucked up. It's it's Optimus is a good leader slash good manager in that. Like, so it's kind of a punishment. But it's also like yeah. enrichment as well. It's like, you know, you're going to benefit from the training, but it's not going to be the most pleasant thing on Earth earlier because because, again, as we know, Prowl is a dick. Right, right. And I think Bulkhead's a little bit like Prowl's Ahsoka, right, to to his Anakin. Like there's a little bit of like this is a teachable moment for both of them. Prowl yeah. can be you know, we can take some of that edge off of Prowl by giving him a student and then maybe also Bulkhead won't destroy a parking lot every time he stands up. Exactly. And and that's pretty much exactly what what we see. I I, I do think it, it, it's kind of funny. So what it, what is it like, you know, and and uh, a- anticipate your move? Um, no, no. Assess your situation. Yeah. You know, cho- choose your moment to strike and, you know, that that kind of thing. But it, it is it is comical watching Bulkhead just lumber around where and it's so it's so effortless for prowl he's just like just like this you know it's yeah like right. like that oh yeah oh <laughs> right. I, I didn't realize but bulkhead does have a lot of patrick energy sometimes he, he's oh, very yeah. much patrick star at times that bill fagerbach uh energy is definitely there for both uh-huh. of them yeah <laughs> i was gonna say too i was thinking about that because now we have both spongebob and patrick in the same cartoon i guess i don't know if i made that connection before but oh my god you're right yeah we got tom kenny and bill yeah it's kind of cool but then so like the, the the training goes awry and um well prowl gets chris farley is what i wrote <laughs> 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 Chris Farley class crashing through the table. Uh, he gets smashed, smashes prowl. And and he's like offline for a hot minute because we, we see like the, uh, the POV shot from prowl where it's like, it's like white static uh, coming yeah, back on and coming too. So yeah, it, uh, it, it, uh, it knocked him for a loop. And this is meanwhile, when you, what you were talking about earlier is where we see that Megatron's using some to build the army of attack drones. Yeah. And, 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 and then we see Prowl come back online. And then that's when Prowl makes the very good call to move the training to an island, an abandoned island where there's less things to break. Yes. We haven't even been introduced to the Dinobots proper. And I was like, is that Dinobot Island? Holy shit. Because <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Know, I mean, I clocked that like immediately. Right. Um, that kind of thing. And, um, oh, uh, I didn't even, I guess I didn't even make that reference or I didn't make that connection. Yeah. This is what I need you for. I don't yeah. always see those, those G1 spots. That's great. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, and yeah, I mean, obviously spoilers for the, for the outcome of this episode, which I didn't know, but like, you know, even, even then like watching it for the first time, I was like, I'm down about Island. Cause I'm pretty sure that's down about Island, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I love the the interplay between prowl and bulkhead here you know like the the whole like you know uh graceful precision assess the situation choose your move execute with graceful precision now you try 
you know, and, yeah. and and Bulkhead's interpretation of that, you know. Access the situation. Choose my move. Which I, <laughs> yeah. I just think is hilarious. And I love that that theme carries out through. They could have done it just once and I would have laughed as hard as I did the first time. But um, it doesn't outstay its welcome. But I do like that they they reprise that uh, a couple few times throughout the episode. Yeah, I actually kind of like it as like a mantra, access the situation. It's sort of like a reminder to be present or something. I don't know. Yeah. It kind of fits. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it could be it can have multiple meanings, which I think. Yeah, is really well, it's cool. not just one of those like mixed up the words, right? Like it actually does kind of fit the situation a little bit. I yeah. think that's why it's a good bit and it sticks. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So back at Dino Drive, Isaac Sumdeck is is revealing the the new Dino robotic animatronic creatures, and I want I want to pause here for for a quick sec because he says something to the effect of I, I don't remember the exact line, but he says something about the twenty second century. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Are we seeing a, a timestamp here? I now bring Dino Drive into the 22nd century. I think so, because like, you know, we we spent a good portion of our opening episodes trying to speculate when this show takes place. And, you know, I, I think the, the consensus that we had agreed on was that it's basically 2057. In that, like, you know, the Autobots emerge from the space bridge over Earth in 2007, go into the the cool waters of Lake Erie, where they where they go into stasis for 50 years and then they emerge. It's 2057. They purified themselves in the water of Lake Erie. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that a Mandalorian reference yeah, or a Purple Rain reference? It's hard to say. Anything. Oh, it could be two things. It's like, and, and then by Creed, I will be absolved. Yeah. <laughs> Creed 3 now in theaters. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, so, but with it being the 22nd century that seems to fly in the face of that. So right. Our, our, Way so, in the future. So if it's the 22nd century, it would that be, that means it's 21, 21, something, 21 right? something. That's how that works. Yeah. 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 So like, so yeah, Star Trek, the original series takes place in the 23rd century and they're in the 2200s. So yeah, I'm mean, oh, just okay. use, using that reductive math. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so so this is twenty one something, right? Um, which is weird, but it yeah. does it does sound more futuristic than saying the twenty first century because well, that's that's the now time, you right. know. So right. yeah, I I I don't know what mm. to make of that. I really don't. Yeah, well, maybe we also have to rethink of like, is is Detroit a utopia or is the whole world like this? Is this just a vision of the future? We're just happening to focus on Detroit at the moment. Right. And maybe it and is the whole world. It, it could be. And it also kind of gives me galaxy brain thoughts of just like now, instead of feeling so advanced, it feels like, you know, you, you tack on an extra 50 years and it almost feels like society should be further along. Right. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I, and it also kind of makes sense. Cause like, you know, we we also in an earlier episode, we were talking about why set it so far in the future. And maybe one of the reasons is just there's less public shock at robots at this point or like beings from another planet or something. Maybe maybe being so far in the future, like their minds are a little more open to. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, robotic life forms yeah. landed on our planet. Cool. And then we just move on. Yeah, you're right. And, and there isn't that much shock value 
with um, otherworldly things like like we talked about Colossus Rhodes, you know, being alien like. Yeah. And and now that we've cracked open that we're in the 22nd century, who's to say that he's not an extraterrestrial visitor? I mean, it's right. just it, it it really just cracks this thing wide open. Uh, which ever is, since that hammer fell in New Mexico, everything's changed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we we get the name drop, you know, that Isaac Sumdak dubs them Dinobots, which is super cool. Yeah, I, I wrote down we can finally call them Dinobots. I'd been purposely trying not to say that word until this moment. But right, right. We have official Dinobots, ladies and gentlemen. And this is, I mean, I suppose as good of a time as any to talk about that this is a really clever and clean and concise origin story for the Dinobots, you know, cause it's, it, it's not, you know, Wheeljack and, and Huffer and Ratchet, like finding like bones in a volcano and deciding to, you know, make, uh, my make dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> conversely, it's, it's not, they've always been around, but they're different than the other Autobots, you know, like some of the more like comic book type of tropes. I like, that this in in a weird way i like that this origin kind of keeps the feel of the dinobots being separate from the autobots because because like that was that was kind of a thing in some of those early g1 episodes it's like they they would help the autobots when they wanted to, when, when it suited their purpose, where there would be many a times where Optimus would go groveling to Grimlock and say, Hey man, you really got to help us. We really need your help. It's like me, Grimlock, no want to, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So I like that there's, there's a little bit of tether to that, um, making them antagonistic at first being almost literally creations of Megatron. And yeah, that that's very cool. That calls back to uh, was it SOS Dinobots or Desertion of the Dinobots? I, I don't remember, but like early on, where Megatron figures out very early on what the Autobots, I, I'm sorry, what the Dinobots' weaknesses are to exploit. The Dinobots do have weaknesses. Slag is hostile, Grimlock arrogant, and Sludge stupid. I will use those weaknesses to turn them against Optimus Prime. You know, so Megatron comes in and charms these Dinobots to turning on the Autobots. So I think this is a really elegant way to pay homage to all of that without doing that same story. And and for me, because Huffer sucks and I'm glad he's dead, but you don't you don't have like, you know, Dinobot, Dinobot, huh? I thought you was going to make dinosaurs. I'm glad I'm just buried under my table right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you don't have any of that. And like it's cleverly rooted in this Jurassic Park animatronic uh, Disney type of thing. And I just I just think that that is a really clean origin for for this version of the dinobots yeah that's that's really cool i i guess i didn't even make that connection but yeah that does that does uh tie back to the original series source material that's pretty cool uh, but back to my wheelhouse there yes. makes it more like jurassic park all over again because now we have these uh dinosaur creations that no one stopped to think if they should do it let alone they could do it but now the murderous rampage ensues it does exactly what we were 
hoping was going to happen in Jurassic Park, uh, which is the dinosaurs get loose and they just start causing a, a big ordeal. Um, and Bulkhead finally gets to try out some of his uh, sweet, sweet Prowl training. <laughs> unfortunately, or fortunately for me, Prowl gets Chris Farley again. The Chris Chris Farley count goes up to two because he gets squashed again. The the christening. <laughs> he, yeah. he, got, he got christened here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man! But from there, you get you get this really really cool sequence here of like ratchet is trying to use his his magnet powers you know so he's got you know got like his uh his magnet gun and then um bumblebee what was he like first start with the stingers and he's trying to like shoot the dinobots i i might be misremembering that yeah but well but ultimately they decide to uh cross the streams if we're talking ghostbusters reference here yeah. and i don't know mike if you thought that or heard that too but like the sound effects and the animation are very much like the um proton stream of a ghostbusters proton pack i was just like oh this is just straight up ghostbusters here great pickup that's awesome and i and i just love that that they go full captain planet here you know by by their powers combined I, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff where it's like, like you said, like, you know, crossing the streams or combining their powers, um, that, that kind of stuff is, is really clever. And then like, I, I almost kind of like gasped when, when sorry shows up with the all spark key and gives them the, like a, like a power boost. Yeah. I was just like, okay, one, she's using the key for what it was meant for, or, or at yeah. least in, in an appropriate fashion and not just trying to like pick locks um, right. uh, or, or like uh, close down force fields on a uh, bulkheads, a uh, sweet, thick dump truck ass. But anyway, uh, but no, I, I thought that that was a really cool sequence where all three of them are combining their, their powers to try to slow down these Dinobots, which, which are shown to be, incredibly powerful which which i think is rad yeah well i think uh another important thing we need to mention here is that it's not just sorry jumping in the key actually pulls her oh, to yes right bumblebee to, to do that um just like it happened with the lock at her dad's lab a couple episodes ago like this mm -hmm. is fantastic foreshadowing right because they had that little moment where the the lab lock the, the key pulled itself to that too and now it's happening again in fact megatron even comments that the key senses something cybertronian it's almost as if the key senses something cybertronian yeah. so the key is upgrading b it's not actually sorry like deciding to jump in it's i actually took a cool screenshot of it too like the key like picks itself up and pulls to the to the scene what what a cool moment and it also underscores again that that fragment of the allspark or that representation of the allspark knows something it has some manner of autonomy yeah yeah it's on agenda and and i do i you you get a lot of megatron kind of like surveilling the scene or like you know watching it on monitors and stuff and i just love his rolling commentary it's like huh that's that's interesting so yeah. it's like you know he's seeing things in this new world that he's been thrust into now that he's awake and conscious and not unlike Skynet, he's learning at an exponential rate. Yeah, it does show like how great of a villain he is and how much smarter he is than kind of everybody and why he is the villain of this thing. Because it it shows him putting something together that no one no one else did. It's like, oh, the Allspark kind of became a little key and it's around this girl's neck and it we just let it do whatever it wants. Like 
no one's like, well, maybe this, there's a purpose here. There's, there's something happening that we don't have control of here. No one even seems to question that on the Autobot side, but right. Megatron first time he sees it in use, he's like, oh yeah, something's happening there. Well, and, and Megatron has been fixated on the AllSpark for the entirety of the time that we've seen him. You know, that, that's, ah, that's, how, that's how we're introduced to him. It's like, you know, this uh, ragtag group of space bridge technicians finds the AllSpark, or actually the AllSpark finds them. And that's kind of what gets Megatron to kind of reemerge. Like, I don't, I don't know if that Decepticon, what that Decepticon ship had been doing prior to the crew f- finding the AllSpark. And, but then suddenly it's like, oh man, I, I feel the AllSpark. It's, it's, we're going over there. You know, yeah. I, I'm going after that, that Autobot ship. So it right. tells, it tells me that Megatron has, if not a connection to at least some kind of deeper, profound knowledge. You know, he, he's a student of what the AllSpark's power is, as opposed to say like somebody like Starscream, who's just like, ah, I'm just going to use this to blow up some buildings. Right, and, and not right. really understand what the power is other than it just is raw power. And that, and that's, that's all he wants. It, it, yeah. it reminds me, it reminds me if I may, a, a, one of like the, the coolest, iciest uh, Megatron Starscream exchanges from, I, I don't remember which part it is, but it's from more than meets the eye, the G1 pilot. And it's, uh, it, it's like one, I think it was after one of Starscream's many, failed assassination attempts on on megatron and um megatron's got him by the throat and he's just like power flows to those who know how oh yeah desire alone is not enough and like i mean like i'm like six years old and that that just like (laughs) crystallizes in my mind and and it's a philosophy i still kind of carry with me to today like even like as i i evaluate folks i report to at work or the like manager type of folks and it's like you know i see I've worked with a lot of Ultra Magnuses from time to time. I've I've worked I've worked with a lot of Rodimus Primes, and I I've been a lot of those myself. And and there is there is this part when I run into ambitious people where I'm just like, power flows to the one who knows how. Desire alone is not enough. It's just it's so uh, just so gives me chills. Weirdly profound, yeah. It's so weirdly profound, but like that that tells me the difference between Megatron's desire for the AllSpark and what Starscream does with it for the, for the brief time he has. Right. But right. And it points to more like the Decepticons as a collectively don't have the vision. It is Megatron's vision kind of driving them. Right. Which, which incidentally, I mean, I, I know I dragged us off like four, four, uh, four different tangents <laughs> deep, but like there's another episode with no Decepticons that, that aren't Megatron. Right. It's like, where are these assholes? Right. <laughs> right. And as far as we know, he's an Autobot, right? That's what he told Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my old friends, the Autobots. Yes. I have such a great history with my best good friend, Optimus Prime. He puts on a gray wig and glasses. I am also feeble. Uh... <laughs> he does that. There, there's a lot of that Grab, in his voice. Yeah. There, there's there's a specific warble there. It's like, oh, no. I, I was only trying to help. I need a new body. <laughs> Please help me, Isaac Subdak. Oh, I'm so frail. I can't get so up. So funny. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Megatron's like Isaac Subdak had me. I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh man! Oh, it's so good. So, uh, 
I think this next scene where the key essentially reformats the Dinobots, I feel like, and I use that phrase because I feel like this is another, like maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but maybe this is another beast machines moment. Um, I know you're not too familiar with that show, but uh, this is essentially what Optimus has the ability to do in that show, which is like take another transformer that's malfunctioning or can't survive on Cybertron and reformat it because he's walking around with the power of the Oracle, right. which is basically what Sari has here in the key. It's sort of a manifestation. It's a physical manifestation of the all spark that she carries with her. Um, and again, since I made the reference to that, Marty Eisenberg also wrote that show. I feel like this is kind of what we're seeing here. And, so that what's happening is that the key, they think the key is helping them stop or refrain the Dinobots. But I think what the key is actually doing is like sending sort of Cybertronian energy or changing their matri- matrix a little bit to sort of make them who they are, what Megatron wanted them to be, which is not just attack drones, but like Cybertronians. Right. So I think that's right. what I think that's what's happening here a little bit more. They think like the key is giving them a the power boost, but I, I think there's an other more this is more like the life-giving element of the AllSpark that we've seen i was just going to ask you that it's like is that is that what's happening here is the through the will of the AllSpark and the combination of ratchet and bumblebee using their their powers to create this electromagnetic field is the AllSpark imbuing the these automatons these dinobots now with cybertronian life yeah, I think that ha- I think it has to be. I think that's 100% what's happening here. See, and and that's interesting because like the the way I read it more face value as I as, you know, as it played out, basically I just saw basically their fake skin gets blown off terminator style and revealing their true form underneath that you know, they were always those dinobots underneath all that fake rubber skin and now they're they're living their best life being that being their best self yeah yeah I, well i wondered that myself because no one seems surprised when their skin gets blown off like maybe right. they everyone not even isaac who worked on them like i think that he'd be but maybe nobody knew maybe they were i guess when he worked on them they were all covered in their latex dinosaur parts so maybe nobody knew and they just think oh yeah that's what they look like without their their skin on but yeah, who knows what they what they were and what they are. Yeah, and 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 to your point about reformatting it, it makes me wonder if that's part of it as well. It's uh, you know, maybe they like reformatted underneath. You know, like cuz I I would imagine again, I'm not a I'm not a student of Beast Wars or or Beast Machines or anything having to do with the the Beast era, but basically like that's my understanding is that you know, when when you're in beast mode, you you have organic tissue on on top of your you know yeah i mean you're still a robot but like when you're in beast mode you you i mean because am am i understanding that right like so like yeah that's true like cheetor manifests as a as a cheetah not a robot cheetah right right well until rise of the beasts comes out i guess yeah yeah but but yeah for now that's their whole it's a true disguise got it okay that makes sense. So more than a couple things here that that, that kind of happens in a very short time when the Dinobots are running amok, you know, so so their 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 true forms are revealed. And I think at this point they're breathing fire. I don't remember. But like but they but they're being antagonistic and attacking. And Isaac says this thing. He's like, wait a sec. What the hell is happening? Uh, Mega said, oh, Oh no, I can't say that out loud. Yeah. 
He knows Megatron's name. I don't know what went wrong. I'm absolutely certain that Meg... Uh, my assistant and I thought of everything. And that's... I just... Uh, yeah. I just think that that is huge because I don't... I don't know if we saw in their earlier exchange where, uh, you know, we, we were having a lot of fun with, you know, uh, Megatron's way of speaking. But I don't think it went so far to where he's like, you know, I am Megatron, leader of the heroic Decepticons. Right, you know, no, that, that yeah, kind of <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, well, but it is it, fun switching to that voice a little bit. It just, something just feels good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun voice. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a, it's a really cool delivery, but yeah, it's, it's wild that he knows Megatron's name and he knows that he, he almost fucked up by doing that Freudian slip and, uh, and yeah. almost saying it out loud. I almost would have liked, I mean, there would be no way to do it, but like almost if somebody was close by to him, like prowl or something, something where the, like an eyebrow just raises like, wait, what did you, you almost know, you, say? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, they know the name Megatron. So even if somebody says mega, you know, I mean, I mean, granted you would need the context, but still that would at least raise an eyebrow. Like, did I just hear what I thought I almost heard? Um, that kind of thing. Well, that's another really smart point of the show. Like, cause now we see that he can't say that name. Like now he has a reason to keep it hidden. Now it can't just slip out. Uh, now yeah. Megatron secrets kept. So really smart move actually to, to introduce himself at this moment. Yeah. And, and they are, they are now in an unholy alliance. Yes. It's like, I, I don't know how Isaac Sumdak is going to get out of this situation because now he is a pawn of Megatron and it yeah. is, it, it's kind of the worst time because he doesn't know it. He thinks he's yes. pulling the strings, but yeah. Yeah. He thinks yeah. he's, he's got the upper hand. And uh, incidentally, there, there, there was a, there was a scene earlier where they're, they're in the lab. Um, Isaac Sumdeck and, and Megatron and, and they're, they're chatting. And I don't know if I noticed this in other episodes, but you know, we had seen Megatron's hand, you know, so it's like, it's, we knew it was the hand and the head, but there was something about the layout of the lab in this particular episode. I, I looked at it. I'm like, did Isaac turn that hand into a chair? Because it, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it almost look like looks it. like a, it looks like it's yeah. a chair. <laughs> yeah, well, it reminds me. I don't know. This is probably a lost reference now too, but it reminds yeah. me of um, Arrested Development because Buster yes! has the hand chair, and yes! when he loses his hand later, he looks over and he's like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. That that red chair. It's like it's. Oh yeah. man, that that's that's awesome. But I um I I completely buried the lead because like we we have. We have an iconic moment here. Grimlock speaks. Yeah. And it is. And, and I love that they teased it out this long and made us wait this long. Um, because I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be Greg Berger. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I knew kind of through cultural osmosis because Greg Berger is commonly credited as the voice of Grimlock you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. So, so it was probably implied that he was going to reprise here, but when he, you know, he says me Grimlock leader, I'm just like, hot damn. It's yeah. like, it's, it, uh, it's again, they did that for me. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to drop that soundbite in of how he actually picks his name, but it will take countless solar cycles to create attack drones capable of my needs. 
And without more substantial robotics for my own body, my prospects are grim, locked in this prison of a lab. Grim. Lock. Grim. Lock. So, the Autobots did not destroy you. What did they do? Oh, yeah, that, we didn't I, even talk about that. Yeah, well, because it's right. great because it it gives more credence to why Megatron is sort of this theatrical way of talking because when he delivers the line, my prospects are grim, locked in this prison of a lab. Like, yes. that's just more him talking. That's what yeah. we're used to from Megatron, but Grimlock yeah. uses it to take his name. He's like, grim, lock, grim, lock. lock. Yes. And then let's so auto-tune that and release it on Spotify and that'll be the hot jam of the summer. Grim, yeah. lock. Grim lot. That's uh, that, that, that is so good. But yeah. It, and it's, and it's so funny. It's, it's yet another instance of Megatron being theatrically maudlin and morose. He's like, Oh, this poor existence. Right. <laughs> he's almost Star like Trek a, reference. He's a little like bones, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's all, almost like a, like, like a Dr. Smith from lost in space oh, yes. or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much. Well, don't just stand there. You nickel plated income poop. Get a move on. How dare you speak to me in that fashion? You frightful fractious from no, no, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, forgive me, great and noble sire. God damn. That's I want to so I want to mention too in this scene before we move forward on, but there's just a little moment they show the three schematics from the Dinobots mm. and it is really cool artwork. I took a screen grab of it. Um, but I would love like a triptych print of those things. They're so cool and they're so colorful and it's sort of like a breakout. It's almost like a blueprint of what the Dinobots look like taken apart. Uh -huh. but they do a really cool like pan across of this. Uh, it's just beautiful. So, so cool. I, I, I love that. Well, Megatron is impressed that the Dinobots are still functioning a, but that they're also, you know, they have a brain now, like they've at least kind of forming, pulling sentences together. And so right. this is more credence to Megatron's theory that the key is doing something and that the, you know, the all spark is doing something. And I think this probably also goes back to like, this is probably sort of uh, Megatron justifying what he's been doing this whole time. He's like, yeah. ah, see, you know, it's not good versus evil. The key wants the same thing as me. The key is on my side here. Yeah. that That's some good villain work there. You know, where it's, I mean, again, the villain is the hero of their own story and yeah, Megatron feels completely justified in his actions here. So yeah, so basically Megatron breaks down this whole thing where it's like, holy crap, they can, you know, they, they can speak, they have autonomy and all that. And um, so let's see what I can do with uh, these things. And then you get what is probably, I mean, this had to have been intentional, but it's like the, the whole thing where, where Megatron is like, specifically breaking down like even even through the exposition of like the the whole fossil fuel thing how that comes back around and it's like so you got dinosaur bones dinosaur bones become oil and petroleum oil and petroleum becomes fuel for these cars so therefore cars and trucks are bad yeah and and you love this it's like cars trucks bad 
and then oh my god this is so good but like he does the thing where it's like okay well now let's bring in these autobots but you know what's worse than cars and trucks <laughs> is, is is these car robots some of these 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 cars that transform into robot and i think he says transform if i'm not mistaken yeah so uh, another ding against the conversion legislation you know with right. regards to the the trademark on the on the phrase but yeah it again it shook me a little bit where um he's like did did megatron just say transform because i'm pretty sure he did but it's like i i love how he he's figuratively holding grimlock's hand and just saying like okay so yeah so so bones to gas to cars to they're eating you (laughs) yeah yeah so good but then like this line just like so i i was um i i was watching the episode on my laptop uh with with headphones in and like so but when when grimlock says Car and trucks, bad! Car robots, worse! I was just like, oh, you motherfuckers! You, you, <laughs> you cheeky little monkey! <laughs> like, I just, I, I love that. I mean, that has to be a reference to R.I.D. 2001, right? Oh, yeah, that'd be. be really cool. Yeah. Has to be. The um, other, the other last animated thing, I guess. Like maybe they're taking a dig at the other, like hand-drawn yeah, property. Because like that, that that becomes part of the uh, part of the mantra. Like I think he says that like like a number of times. It's like car robots bad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Your cars well, and trucks bad. Uh, car yeah. robots worse. You know that that whole right. thing. Well, I just love I just love this moment. This is a great. This is one of those great writing culmination of elements. So now you know. You have the payoff of like that little robot, the little exposition bot getting blown yeah. up, but it's also in the lab. Grimlock's the leader. He's not going to listen to anybody's, but Megatron being as manipulative as he is, he's able to use that clip that he saw to turn them to his will. Like Megatron yeah. does not take no for an answer. He needs to control them. Uh, and he finds a way to do it very quickly using this little bot's head that's in in the room with them. It's just smart. It's a, it's a, it's a great culmination of elements from the episode coming to this moment to work. Megatron is a brilliant tactician and, and he comes up with stuff on the quick. It's yeah. like he, he figured out how to noodle that through very quickly. And, and yeah. despite his current circumstances, he is very adaptive and, and yeah. adaptable. But I just, I, I, I love where, you know, Megatron just kind of like, you know, unleashes them and it's like, you know, destroy the fossil feeders. <laughs> <laughs> right, Which, right. What, what a feeders. cool thing, fossil feeders. Yeah. Um. Now here's here's the other thing too, and we, we we talked about this a while ago, but I had made a comment about since we're in the 22nd century, supposedly you know 2100 something, and and I made I made a crack about like you would think that technology and society would be a little further along. We're still using fossil fuels in in 2100. Right. That'd be nice. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. But I, I just thought that was kind of interesting because like that, that's kind of like the, I mean, is it, is it, let me, let me see if I could say this delicately. Is it like forward thinking, backwards thinking, meaning like 
being so cynical in worldview to be like, oh yeah, by 2100, we're, we're still using dinosaur juice to, to power our cars because of antiquated politics and, and, and yeah. things like that. Is it some of that Paul Verhoeven cynicism that, that, that we saw in the, uh, um, in, in the last episode? Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that could be. I like to, I, I like that better than just like, we didn't know any better. <laughs> like back right. in 2007, I'd like to think, yeah, maybe that's a little dig. Because, I mean, more often than not, the future is presented as like flying cars and hoverboards and sustainable energy and things like that. It's interesting. And with as purposeful as everything else is in TFA. Yeah. Oh, I wish there was somebody I could ask about that. Because Well, that's... we've already seen we've already seen sort of an environmental take on this show, right? Everything from Prowl being obsessed with organics yeah. to like nature and the tree in his room. Like there's definitely a message we're getting so far and mm-hmm. it's, and it's pro environment. Most so I can see that. Yeah. The, if the front half of this episode was Jurassic park, now we're getting into lost world territory because the Dinobots are taking to the streets, right? Like this is like the end of, uh, end of end of lost world. Yeah. Taking you're the streets, right. Cars and trucks, bad. Mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together, Grimlock's fire breathing, Fan Zone drops his signature line. This is why I hate machines. Yeah. Like it's it's uh wild. It's an, you know, this crazy nighttime battle of dinosaurs versus the city. Yeah, also um RIP Fan Zone's yellow coop. That that oh. that, that that get that that takes the pass here. It gets squashed, and oh man, and it was something. Chris I, Farley count number three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to make that christening joke a third time. I don't want to get canceled. But that uh, that reminds me of a question that I had in our previous episode when we were talking about Total Meltdown. So Bumblebee has scanned Captain Fanzone's car, but that doesn't mean that he necessarily is Captain Fanzone's car. And up till that point, I hadn't seen that car. It's like, because like, I I don't remember what happened to his little yellow coupe. I I hadn't seen it for a couple episodes and now it shows up here only to get uh, squashed. So, yeah. So is it going to get reformatted into a gold bug or (laughs) what's what's going to (laughs) happen there with with Fanzone's car or 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 he's going to roll up in a Camaro (laughs) or something? That was my wife's car. Oh, no. That was the thing that happened. Oh, no. Oh, and she was in it, too, and she got squashed. She's super dead. Uh, But give that better go for a rotten beer, then. (laughs) Oh, my my gosh. Green hot dogs with with white sauce on it. It's disgusting. Right. Well, I think we should also mention, too, something before we get too far away from it, uh, that that one of the moments that's going to come back to play later is before the, uh, the Dinobots are taken back to the lab to get worked on. There's that little exchange where, um, you know, Isaac Sumdak says, you know, ah, they're just machines. I'll, you know, we'll probably scrap them or whatever. And that doesn't sit right with Prowl and it doesn't sit right with bulkhead. Yeah. So there's already kind of a seed of doubt planted there. Prowl is especially tetchy about it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that makes total sense with his character. It really does because he is a dick. I mean, I mean, Prowl is a dick. It's, it's the trope, but he cherishes life. And, yeah. and that's, um, I mean, again, it's part of like, you know, his, his spiritual ninja-ness. It's, you know, it's a, um, it, it, it's a really cool trait. Uh, again, I'm seeing more and more why people dig this guy, but um, yeah. And, and, and it also speaks to how, casual Isaac Sumdak is about ending robot life, 
how it's just like it, it doesn't mean anything to him. It's just, you know, it, it's like, you know, just uh, um, uh, throwing out a broken mouse or a broken keyboard or something like that. It's like the, yeah. the, the, he has for being the father of modern robotics, he has no empathetic tether to his machines, even his own machines that he himself has invented with with uh, with a uh, uh, reverse engineered Cybertronian tech, but right, still, right. <laughs> but still, it's like, um, but yeah, th- there there's no um, for for as anthropomorphic as the Sumdac systems machines are, because they're they're all kinds of like you know uh, um, human looking machines, but why then would he make machines that are so humanoid looking? and be so apathetic towards just melting them down. I mean, like he says it with a shrug, yeah. an indifferent shrug. Ah, oh, you're just going to melt them down. Well, he's just a big, you know, big bloated corporation now, right? Yeah. He, the profits got to him, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. who, who knows? He went corporate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's interesting. I, I, I throw back to that scene with, uh, you know, where they're talking about him just being machines because we see, we see another side of like bulkhead being buddies with prowl because now bulkhead shares that sentiment and when the autobots are en route to deal with the um, rampaging dinobots bulkhead's like you know he votes to like can we can we just put some somewhere can we where they can do less damage i mean and i think that's interesting because that's what prowl did for him instead of prowl being like you're a failure at ninja training he's like let's go to this island and we can you know you can have a little more room to breathe yeah um i think that's a really cool moment and i think that shows that like that he learned something from that and now he's taking it and applying it to the situation they're in with the dinobots yeah and uh and and prior to that you know we get another call back to earlier with exposition bot talking about the the dinosaurs getting getting stuck in tar and so basically that that's how the dinobots are stopped you know with with uh with with the black sticky stuff you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it's, and again, it's the, the thing that's interesting for me as a first time viewer is I know there's a certain amount of episodes and I know there's a, there, I mean, there, there's, you know, two and a half seasons yet ahead of us, but because I don't know anything about the fates of any of the characters, I would be lying if I didn't feel uh, genuine empathy and and uh, compassion and peril for the Dinobots as as they're getting stuck in the in, in in the goo and being unable to like fire breath their way out of it. It was like I I don't I I don't know if it was just the mood I was in, but it was like weirdly heart wrenching. I'm just like oh my god. Yeah, no, I, it was a really tender moment, and I, I hate to make this reference, but it, it's similar to like like a. Uh, a rabid dog being put down mm, or something like, mm. like, yes, they were sort of the antagonists of this final battle, but uh, at the same time, it's sad. It's sad to see them kind of like, you know, with the muzzle on them and like, you know, they're just animals yeah. really at the yeah. end of the day. Um, well, it, yeah, it was, it was a very tender moment. Well, and, and especially so too, because Grimlock is the only Dinobot who speaks. So we don't know the manifestation of the intelligence of the other two. Um, right. 
And I, I guess now, since since I invoked them, we haven't really talked about the other two Dinobots, and it, it's it, it's accidentally a, um, a stepping into uh, sticky waters. So you have you have Swoop, who looks very much like Swoop, and you know yeah. I, mean, I mean down to the the G one uh, cartoon accurate blue accents and and blue chest and and things like that so it, so it's very much swoop but the triceratops and i want to make a point of emphasis on this in and so my only reference for his name at this point is from the tf wiki and he's identified as snarl which oh. i thought that was incredibly odd but it reminds me though of the ongoing legislation litigation with regard to that particular Dinobot's name. He's gone through a number of different names. First in G1, he was Slag. And then through, from in my opinion, two different things at the same time. Both things can be true. Hasbro wanted to move away from that phrase as a name because apparently in other parts of the world it's derogatory like like in in um you know our uk listeners could probably educate me better but apparently um slag is a derogatory slang term for ladies of the night you know that that kind of thing so so it has it has a very negative connotation and not really the name that you would want to name your your child's dinosaur toy dinosaur robot toy but also they've lost the copyright a couple of times as well in fact hasbro has been kind of funny with like different naming conventions like you notice like any jazz figure that comes out is called autobot jazz and not just jazz because because of like you know copyrights and that that was um a lesson that i learned more recently than i would care to admit because i one of the things that used to really get under my skin was name reuse it's like well well why why is this beast wars character called silverbolt that's that's not the goddamn aerial <laughs> bot but dummy if you don't reuse names for copyright purposes you lose the copyright that's that's how i mean that that's why we had no bumblebee for a number of years that's why shockwave was shock blast for for a number of years so i think they had similar situations with slag but then also the other part of it the the uk-ness of as well so it's like something they didn't necessarily want to do so from what i understand and i have not watched it for a while chris mcfeely put out a terrific episode of transformers the basics on uh um slag slash slug and he kind of goes over some of the 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 various naming conventions and he probably mentioned this that him being snarl and tfa and i just i just blanked on it but so the triceratops dinosaur has been named a number of different things but there there is a a contingent of the the boomer g1 community that's like you know what his name is slag um and and that's it you know no ands ifs or buts and at a, at a time where folks identify as their true selves, 
I think, I mean, I mean, it's, it's adding another layer to a, a children's dinosaur robot toy, but, um, a YouTuber, um, uh, Pew, I think I, I, P E A U G H not, not Thu, who is somebody else entirely, but right. um, in, in his, uh, review of the studio series, 86 Dinobot slug figure. And he is slug now. Um, and I had a whole, as I often do when I do some of these renamed transformers, I had a bit about blah, 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 you know, we remember him as, and then I realized that it's kind of, and if I'm going to pontificate a little bit here and, and maybe I'm misguided, but it feels like even though we're talking about toys, it's still the same kind of disrespectful mentality of when you don't refer to somebody by a new name or a new pronoun that they prefer when they've told you that. Um, so Slug has told us that he is Slug. So he's Slug from now on. And I know that that seems silly, but um, I think when people tell you what their name is, you should respect it. And and to me, that that's that's kind of where it begins and ends. So it's like I yeah. I um, I I know trans folks, and you know it's like and that and that's what their name is, and their dead name is not their name. So yeah. I that's kind of where I look at the whole slag slug thing is you know uh uh slug identifies as slug and th that's that's their name now so in, yeah. in this clip, well, i like slug better is that is that wrong of me i think i think it's a better name anyway to be honest yeah and and it and it still has that same violent connotation you know as like yeah. slag because i mean again that 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 particular character whatever his name is is he's a violent hothead so i think right. i think slug uh, you know, like in terms of like, you know, hauling off and punching somebody, you know, that, that right. Or like a metal slug, like yeah. out of a gun and slug is in slow moving slug is in heavy hitting. Like, it, I think that fits on a lot of all levels. of it, all of it. Yeah. Um, but all of that is to say that I did find it curious that neither of the two Dinobots are identified by name within the context of this episode. The only reason why I know his name is Snarl is because I saw it on TF Wiki. Right. Well, and I think we will get that later on, but at this point in time uh grimlock's the only one that talks Gr appears grimlock's the only one with the capability to like make sound and name himself so yeah. i think i guess that's where it maybe comes from i mean as far as like when they're fighting them they don't think they're fighting anything cybertronian right this is this comes in a little conjecture at the end but just they just think they're fighting the dinosaur robots from earlier right right and and it reminds me i you know now that now i've kind of dragged us off topic a little bit i i'm looking at uh, at some of my notes uh there there's there's this little bit of exchange between i think it's isaac sumdak and, and megatron where it's like they were talking about like the the new features on the dinobots and and isaac says like wait features plural and and there's like yeah. a specific point of emphasis on that that that's a uh, um that that's gonna uh, come to fruition here in um in just a little bit yeah yeah well to rewind a little bit yeah, so yeah. the autobots and the dinobots are duking it out in fact i think autobots and dinobots question mark exclamation point is like the news uh yes! on the tv like that's what even the media is yeah, calling yeah, the this Chiron, yeah 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 um so we see some deck kind of see that megatron is kind of pulling some strings but he's okay with it for now like it falls you know but there is that moment of like oh maybe i don't have complete control of this situation um i thought that was pretty interesting so the battle but the battle ultimately ends and why i wanted to make sure we talked about that moment where bulkhead says that uh you know we can 
I think we should do something with them. I don't think we should destroy them. I think we should move it because Optimus in that moment was like, no, that's a very good idea, bulkhead. But when it comes right down to it after the battle ends and they're trapped in the tar, Optimus is weirdly on the side of like, no, we need to destroy them. They're kind of too dangerous to be kept alive. And I was like really taken aback by that. I have a note on that um, because again, this in, in weird ways calls back to G1 continuity. Like even, even in SOS Dinobots, like I think Prime even at some point tells Wheeljack and Ratchet, it's like, you, you got to shut these assholes down. They are too dangerous to live. I think he even says like too dangerous to live at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, or, or, or something to that effect. Um, but basically like Optimus has always had a uneasiness and a state of unease around the Dinobots, uh, specifically Grimlock too, because like I, one of the things that they show, uh, scale wise is that Grimlock is significantly larger than Optimus Prime, or at least in, in, in most yeah. G1 continuity. So it's like, he's shown as an imposing figure. So it's like, uh, Optimus is trying to be, he's the leader of the Autobots, but it's like, this guy might be more powerful than even I am. So I, uh, I gotta be careful. And there's always like this little bit of unease, which oh, yeah. in a way now it would not be a Mike Seibert radio joint if uh, if it didn't somehow come back around to Transformers the movie, which tells me in that moment when reinforcements arrived to the siege on Autobot City, you know, it's it's Optimus Prime piloting the shuttle and the, the Dinobots are in there. And, uh, you know, Prime is all like, Dinobots, destroy Devastator. That tells me they've in the, in the interceding 20 years have like healed that rift. And like they, they found mm. some way to like work together as as equals yeah. now again that's that's weird interpretation on my part because you know even then like grimlock isn't like don't tell me what to do it's me grimlock love challenge you know so it's yeah. like so that that tells me that there's there there's been some kind of uh reconciliation there but but anyway so right. so so with optimus here it seems a little out of character for this incarnation of Optimus Prime. But for me, it was ringing all my bells. It's like, oh yeah, much like how Optimus dies in every continuity, apparently Optimus in every continuity is, is kind of leery of the Dinobots. Yeah, and, well, and to be fair, again, they don't know that there's anything Cybertronian or life about, they. this is literally just a, you know, a Ferris wheel come to life, yeah. sort of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, so I think there we do have that buffer a little bit, but you're right. It is an uncomfortable moment for him. And I think you're supposed to feel discomfort from he's not a perfect optimist. And I think this is another moment where they had to remind us of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't and I don't want to gloss over like the way this battle ends, which I think is awesome because it's it's very much like the Avengers. Like they're like uh, Prowl tells Bulkhead, I think you should do what you do which is just, you know, the Hulk smash, uh, you know, it was, it was, it reminded me of that moment of Cap telling Hulk to smash at, at in the end of Avengers. I just, and Hulk <sighs> smash. And then there's just this really cool sequence of just bulkhead, just going to town on these dinosaur robots. Yeah. Cause he's trying, he's like, access the situation, access the situation. And, and, yeah. and, nah. and, and Prowl's <laughs> like, yeah, no, not this time. Um, it's like, it's, it's like bulkhead smash. And, and it's like, I, I want bulkhead to turn around. He's like, you know, th that's my secret. I'm always clumsy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Uh, yeah, I guess there'd be some time rift. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. But, but uh, still, yeah. but it's very much that moment. And never, never mind the fact that he's big and green um, as right. well. But, but yeah, you're right. It's like you know, so so Bulkhead is is trying to you know take Prowl's lessons, and and it, and it's not working for him. And and again, at, at a at a show that is terrific with uh, themes and lessons really the the takeaway here is be yourself you know be yourself and be your best self you know learn other stuff but stay true to your core so in this case prowl's like yeah yeah fuck all that noise go uh go go break some shit right <laughs> and right. and he does with a uh, delicious abandon i mean it's like he he feels like uh bulkhead feels like he's just been like unleashed oh it is it is really cool it's a really cool action sequence um so after the battle ends though um and and optimus and isaac are in agreement of destroy these things prowl and bulkhead take them to the abandoned island the uh quote-unquote dinobot island that we saw and uh cover it with a holographic cover to keep them safe i think this is the most interesting part of this episode because now bulkhead and prowl collectively have a secret that they're keeping from their their leader um, I think that was a really cool, interesting thing to do with it. In an episode that that is that is filled with those bonding moments, because now Isaac Sumdak and Megatron are are bonded through a shared secret, and now yeah. Bulkhead and Prowl also have a secrets of their own. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's again secret intrigue. Secret intrigue. intrigue. Well, I think it's another element of that great writing of like um, these sort of like subtle dramatic things. Like, not everything has to be a big swing of like now I'm betraying them and by doing this, like like there's sort of machinations behind the scenes of it's the plot is coming from who has secrets from whom, not just who punched whom and who's right. a Decepticon, who's an Autobot, and we see uh, Grimlock transform, which is a final important scene because that that proves that he was reformatted in some way because no matter what you can say that animatronic robot was not built to transform into a humanoid right with a fire sword with a flaming so, sword yeah and which is dope as hell fucking I, cool. it's so eloquent. I, I love it and, and i like i like grimlock's sword you know like like whatever evergreen version is you know it's just like a giant red flaming sword but this one with like the the craggly lava rock bits yeah. in it looks really menacing and really really cool but i i, I want to call out uh the the moment right before that where th- this this thing where um with grimlock transforming and presenting the sword it's it's almost like the t-rex roaring at the climax of jurassic park where it's like you sure. know you know it's like you know where where when dinosaurs ruled the earth you want the like, banner to yeah, fall yeah i want to see the banner right? fall it's like it's it's so cool it has it has that much weight and punch to it but before that there there was this moment i love so much where just like you know grimlock is still just kind of like kicking rocks there on dinobot island he's like you know cars and trucks bad but as he's looking around he's like nature good and i just i love that and then the bird shit on him and and he uh i mean (laughs) i i had to wind it back those birds do get away they did not get fried uh under his uh fire breath there but but again we we talked a lot about the pro environment themes and i think it's very telling 
and very specific and very deliberate where it's like cars and trucks, bad nature, good. Come on. That's right. uh, Right. There's the, okay. So that's our confirmation of the message that's uh, being sent. Yeah. I mean, it's literally just right there on front street and, and yeah. So you get the, was it me? Grimlock, like Grimlock, like something like that. When he's got the flaming sword, he's like Grimlock, like, Oh yeah. Very, very cool. Oh, Incidentally, I, I, I forgot. And it's so funny because like I, I put a reference on my notes that I didn't know what it was. I wrote in all caps, excuse me, exclamation point, question mark. I thought it was something that I was outraged about. No, my friend, it is, it is my favorite Easter egg in the entire episode. There, ah, there, perfect timing. yeah, there, there is, um, that thing where bulkhead knocks over snarl we'll call him snarl because that that's what his name yep. is in this continuity um so bulkhead knocks over snarl and he's like excuse me which <laughs> is what slag says to the quintesson prosecutor as he drops the door on him Yes, it's the, oh. I mean, that, it's that character's yeah. line, so it's a really cool role reversal. And I'm oh, just that's like, great. you know, and I, I have to think if the writer of this episode was around to write episodes of Small Wonder, I'm sure he's an original G1 fan, so that can't be cool. That, that is true. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, again, they put that in there for me and like i mean i i i don't remember if i finished the this uh this this musing this story but like i I was listening on headphones and it's like so there were several times where i'm just like to nobody an audience of no i'm like ha (laughs) i'm like god damn it that's awesome i i had a blast with this episode i i was hooting and hollering and being like really would you say you had a blast from the past? Yes. I would also say that no, that's good, that's good. I would also say that I was pretty animated while I while I was uh uh watching it. Come on. Would you say you got your ass kicked? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh no. Now now we're just doing CSI Miami over here. <laughs> yeah. right. I took my glasses off. People <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh but no, but that that brings us to the next point of uh, uh what's your score for this one? What's your uh what's your uh, G1 er uh Olympic score for this? Okay, category? so so this is on a scale of 10, right? Yes. Um 15.7 wow. on a scale of 10. <laughs> this one is off the charts. Um, oh, yeah. you know, because obviously it's, it's, um, it's Dinobots. It, it's Greg Berger returning as the voice of Grimlock and, and, and all of the lines. I mean, like, you know, just having the excuse me line would have at least made it a nine out of 10 on its own. So then I have to compound the remaining like 6.75 points. So yeah, so that, that pushes it way, way over the scale, but yeah, no, this is, this is a G one's delight. Like if, uh, if somebody now were to say, Hey Mike, you've been watching this TFA for a few and I, and it sounds like you really like it. And it sounds like, you know, th- there's stuff for you, 
but I, I don't know if I want to watch a 90-minute a mini-movie. Well, first I would say, get your life right. It, it's very brisk. <laughs> but I would steer them towards this. I think this makes a really good on-ramp to hook in um, folks that might be interested and, and open-minded for a different take because it is a different take. I mean, because I mean, again, it's a, it's a wildly different origin of the Dinobots, but even so it's still reverential to the, the source material and it's loaded with Easter eggs. It's uh, I mean, this is a fantastic episode. I, I, I'm, I'm going to, this is the bar to clear that this, this is my favorite episode of the run so far. I, I oh, awesome. really, really, really enjoyed this episode quite a lot. And, and it moves cool. the needle on so much that we've already seen in the previous episode. So like, not only is it, is it fan service, but it moves the plot along, you know, all of this, the, this intrigue with Isaac Sumdak and Megatron and, you know, th those machinations, uh, you know, who is controlling who, and now this, this new bit where like the Autobots have, have secrets of their own. And, you know, we're kind of getting into some like weird morally gray stuff and even some of the, the bigger existential stuff of like, you know, how do we define life? And it's, yeah. um, I mean, th this, this, this episode crams a lot into 23 minutes. It's, it's so much. I mean, there's a reason why it took us an hour and a half to, to talk about a 23 <laughs> right, minute episode. Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask along with, I mean, you kind of talked about it earlier, but how does this stack up for you as a Dinobot origin story in all the, in the original one and all the other versions of, you know, how they've kind of shoehorned Dinobots into the continuities over the years? How does this one stack up for you? Is it, pretty good yeah it's very good in fact this is um I, I haven't really thought about dinobot origins for for a while but off the top of my head this is easily my favorite because it's it's not specifically to just sell new toys you know and and so like the the g1 introduction feels very crass and likewise i i like that there's something inherent about the dinobots being young characters or like new to life that's always appealed to me I, I can't really explain why so like for example the 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 live action counterparts you know they're ancient cybertronians which on one hand kind of makes sense because they're dinosaurs they're they're ancient beings i i like that as well but i like this better because it more ties into you know the, the current machinations of the show because basically these are um they're, they're, they're kind of an accident in a way because yeah. it starts off as Megatron's plot to build a new body for himself. But then the AllSpark through its own agenda, you know, sees right. something as well. So it's, it's the confluence of a couple different things going on specifically in the TFA plot that I, I feel it's more important to the fabric of the narrative of this show as opposed to just introducing new characters. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, yeah. fe it feels elemental. Right. Yeah. I guess to think of it, like um, the Dinobots in this episode are sort of like beta test for Megatron's body, similar to how like general Grievous was sort of the prototype for uh, Darth for Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I can do that. That's really interesting. I also wanted to ask you is your, who is your favorite Dinobot and is that Dinobot in this episode? I, you know, I don't gravitate to the Dinobots as much as um, a lot of my other friends. I like them fine, 
but if I had a favorite, it would be Grimlock because, <laughs> because he more than anybody, and especially typified in this episode, he always gets the best lines. The other Dinobots are a little lean on personality. Like, I don't think it really goes beyond what Megatron said in in SOS Dinobots. You know, it's like, you know, uh, Grimlock is arrogant, uh, Slag is violent, and Sludge is stupid. You know, that, that uh, it, and right. it doesn't really go beyond that. Even, even in season three of G1, when they kind of become more infantilized. And, and, and you see some of that in the movie as well. Like, they just kind of become you know, comic relief and, and kind of dopey, but, but I, but I still like, I, I like Grimlock's attitude, even when he's, you know, portrayed in, in an infantile kind of way, you know, even like, you know, me, Grimlock, not kisser, me, King, you know, it's like, even even (laughs) that stuff is as silly as it is, it's still true to his character. I don't know anything about the other, other Dinobots. They just, they just, like like snarl for example well not this snarl but like you know um um whatever the other dinosaur is you know it's like i don't know what his deal i don't know anything about him he's just he just has like a mean sounding voice and just really not a not a whole lot of personality and i'm just talking animation i i I know i know they get fleshed out in in the comics quite a bit but yeah um but yeah, no, I no, I like to ask that because I think I think the Dinobots themselves are a plot point that's difficult. I think that's the real challenge of whatever new Transformer show is on the air is how are we going to work the Dinobots in believably, how, the different ways to do it. I mean, the video games, they were sort of like the implication was, you know, Shockwave uh, looked into all the other histories and took a little samplings of what he liked on Earth. And that's why the Dinobots existed in dinosaur form before they came. Like, there's all these different ways to do it. Uh, so it's really I think it's really cool how this how this show worked that in. I my I just wanted my favorite version of Grimlock is uh, the War Within. I don't know if you've actually read the War Within comic. Oh, yeah. French kiss. That's my favorite version of Grimlock hands down. He is pretty cool. And, and for me, and it's, it's not even so much his personality, which it's terrific in that because it's a now, now remind me, does he speak normally in that? Or is he still me Grimlock? I don't remember. It's a little more towards normally, uh, but there is some level of, of gruntness. Yeah. (laughs) And it's more just because he's like brusque. Um, Cause like, yeah. I, I think he's shown to be uh strategic and intelligent. Like, you know, he's kind of right. more like a military commander in, in, yeah. in that kind of thing. Um, I love that. He's more like Kevin in that episode of the office when he wanted to use fewer words. Yes. <laughs> why, why say long word when few word do trick? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh man. And that. God damn it. That almost plays too, because like he, he is a no nonsense soldier in in that yeah. in that continuity that that actually i mean we're doing jokes here but that but that actually totally plays right. i love that but i was well and if you want to talk about great uh optimus and grimlock relationships that comic has yeah also maybe the best i think that's also why i really like it i gotta go back and read that because like i mean i was like everybody else my age i was in on dreamwave all the way like i i bought like all the covers and, and all that stuff. I mean, I pushed oh. my chips in early. Like I bought like yeah. 
everything. I mean, like people like me are the reason why they had such a meteoric rise so quickly because like everything they put <laughs> out, I mean, I'm buying like multiple copies and like giving them to people and all that, yeah. all that other stuff. And I, I remember I, I was the same way with war within. I was like, Oh my God. So we're getting like new stories that that's like pre earth war type of stuff. And, but really, and I, 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 I buried the lead too deeply at this point, but like, that that's a top tier Grimlock for me as well, because one, the alt mode where, I mean, again, oh, armored tank. Perfect. So cool. Perfect. So I cool. mean, that, that, that's amazing. And, and it looks, you know, like, like it should, you know what I mean? It's like, you, yeah. you still, even as a tank, it still strikes the silhouette as Grimlock as, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. It's like, he's yeah. still no, very recognizable as uh as Grimlock. But for me, the thing that, puts that design into the top tier is the uh the teeth the teeth in the sides of his face mask i mean i just yes. i mean i just remember seeing that like stop the press what is that um and yeah. i just i and and, it, and it's not just the teeth in the side of the mask it's also sort of like a muzzle almost like a hannibal lecter like holding back the bite like everything about that design is so smart yeah and and still with like the giant visor you know, so so there there's yeah. a expressionlessness to it. So it's like, you know, those might be his real teeth. They might not. It might be just like a mask or a muzzle or whatever. But either way, it is very symbolic of Grimlock's aloof, arrogant, violent nature, totally. which I think is so cool. So cool. Yes. Oh, good. Damn it. N now I got to go reread War Within because that's yes. uh, annually. I, I do that at least once a year. I love that. I got my omnibus. So I'll have to go check that out. Omnibus. Get omnibus. on the omnibus. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, all right. Well, before uh, before we pack up, I have um, a couple bits of listener feedback I would like to share. First, I our, our good friend uh, Jobot, at uh, TFJobot1 out on Twitter. This dude, in, in, in addition to being like one of the most uh, wholesome, positive folks in Transformers fandom and on Twitter.com, he, uh, he shares a lot of terrific action figure photography and all kinds of other like cool stuff. But like he must have... I don't, I don't know what the, maybe when we have him on the show, we can, we can ask him more about this, but like, he's been on a TFA kick recently, like right around the time that we launched yeah. and he's been sharing no shortage of gold and really cool, like, you know, style sheets, reference sheets, uh, figure prototypes, all kinds of cool stuff. So it's like it, he was he was posting more stuff than I could retweet and keep up with. Because right, it's right. like, oh my god, it's all so good. It's all so good. So I had a I had tweeted from the Two Mics Two Furious Twitter account. Hey man, if if you're any kind of fan of TFA and you're not following uh, Joe Bot, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Totally. So he uh, um, he wrote us back and said, "Thanks, Mikes." <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I, I love that we're collectively Mikes now. Right. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Mike's. That's a uh, features plural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the podcast definitely all sparked my interest to go back and look through the animated material I had. It's fun to find stuff 
like uh, this animated swindle art by the amazing Josh Burcham. And he, he it's, it, it is a terrific Josh Burcham uh, animated swindle oh, piece. Yeah. I can't wait to meet swindle. I I'm, I am, I'm ready. I'm really excited. Yeah. I won't get uh, into it, but swindle in this show. Yeah. Friggin rocks. <laughs> put it in my best captain fan zone. This guy friggin rocks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, and, uh, and, and duels. With with the gray hot dog yeah. with the mayonnaise, gross. And we'll close out with um, a couple iTunes reviews. We we got a couple of uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, and if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll uh, we'll read it on the air. Like this one from Arganus Prime, who is of the the uh, Autopod Decepticast fan base. So oh. so we're getting a little bit of bleed over and a little bit of crossover, which is terrific. We're stealing their listeners like we've always wanted. Yes. Well, you know, it's competition. <laughs> yes, of all. course. You know, th- that kind of thing. Um, see, see the latest uh, Patreon bonus episode of APDC for what I'm talking about with, with regards to competition legislation. No, I just very, very briefly, I had a, I had somebody on, uh, on my page on Mike Seibert radio say like, well, Hey, you know, a Transformers YouTuber as well said like, oh, hey, I don't I don't generally check out the competition, but uh, but, you know, good interview, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. just real, real passive aggressive <laughs> nonsense. But but anyway, so it, it's become a little bit of a uh, of a spicy meme uh, over in the, the APDC community when 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 I'm on with those guys, it's like, oh, hey, well, you know, it's not like we're being the competition or anything. So right. anyway, that's a little primer on that. But anyhow, um, Arganus Prime sent us a, a terrific review. Five stars hooked. Can't wait for the rest of the adventure. I know it's only the first episode. Well, we got a couple more now, but uh, but I am hooked and on board for this adventure. Animated was a huge part of my childhood and love how Mike Cyber is experiencing the watch through for the first time. And Michael Andrews is trying not to spoil everything, right. <laughs> which I mean, that's I, folks really seem to be digging on that on that dynamic and that vibe where yeah. where it's like, you know, if if we uh, if we did this as video, they, they would probably see you being like, oh. Know, just just outside of my camera range is like the table that I'm flipping and like gripping the edge of and chipping off the particle board. <laughs> I can't yeah. anymore. Well, and, and I'm sure some of it is like, oh, you're so right. And you don't even know it yet. Yeah. You know, that, oh. that kind of stuff. It's like it's it's wild. Um, so this uh, last iTunes review we got from uh, Two Man War, which I know is uh, is my buddy Aaron, uh, one of the hosts of Autopod Decepticast, the aforementioned APDC. Nice. And incidentally, if if you like our show, you have to be listening to their show, uh, whether whether you like G one or not. It's yeah. a it's a it's a lot of Gen X relationship stuff. It's just it's it's just a, a three dudes lifelong friend celebrating friendship and and transforming growth. Well, I can safely say this. This show wouldn't exist without their show. So they really yeah. kind of brought us all together. So you're right. And, you know, we haven't mentioned that a while in a while, you know, we talked about it uh, very early on, but yeah, I mean, th- this is kind of like a weird spiritual spinoff in a way of, of their show, because that's, that's, I mean, really that's how you and I got connected. Yeah. I, I would think, cause I don't, I don't know if we, yeah, I mean, with, no, we were just both DC, fans of that show that uh, had casting backgrounds that started yeah. chatting. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So really, uh, Autopod Decepticast is the well of all sparks for uh, for for a great many things. But anyway, so Aaron writes a great conversational dynamic! Exclamation point. These two dudes have a great rapport. 
Being not too familiar with the animated series myself, it is really fun to follow along with Mike and Michael. No, with Mike as Michael schools him on the series and all the cool <laughs> G1 Easter eggs contained within. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, okay. it's it's terrific feedback. And really, the reason why why I'm sharing all this listener feedback is, is not to, you know, engage in circle jerking and all that, but really just to show appreciation for folks that that took the time to uh, write something nice to us. It yeah, really means awesome. the world. And one of the things we really want to do with this podcast is, is encourage a vibrant community. So, you know, listen at the end of the episode for how to hit us up on social medias and, and voicemails and all that other stuff. And, um, I, I love this stuff. I, I love saying people's names on the radio or podcasts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we were first talking about this show, I remember saying, you know, one of the things I really want it to be like is to kind of feel like an old radio show. I really want to have that sort of like uh, go ahead caller kind of a feel to it. Yeah. Of like, Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> You're on. We're both Larry King here. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> too Larry, too furious. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's uh, great. I appreciate, appreciate the feedback. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed Aaron didn't start his review with, hey, shit boxes, but I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> surprised me. But so thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I, I'm sure at some point, well, actually what we need to do is we need to reignite the feud between uh, the MSRP and, and the Michael Andrews uh, yeah. waging uh, a two-man war against the APD seed. So we need we need a sequel to that iconic diss track, Mic Drop, which you can hear at the end of episode two, I think is where I put it. It, it was which whichever one of our, it was either one or two, but we when we were talking about APDC, and so actually I went back to their episode, clipped that out, and like Aaron did this whole diss track about like, hey, all you podcasters and you writers, you think you got beef with the APDC? Oh, and yeah, I mean it's terrific. We just need it's to make a... that our intro music. Actually, I think I love that. Oh my god, I love that rap. Oh, uh, I like so many Mike because <laughs> you are Mike. You are Mike. Yeah. When, when you when you listen to Two Mikes Too Furious, you are Mike. Um. Oh. Uh. I, I was gonna say anything else before we get out of here, but uh, do you do you have a a uh, poetic reading for us yes. to to send people onto the onto the good night before uh, before we fade away? Yes. The preview haiku. Uh. All right. Here we go. Chests flip to old guts. Bots get fast and furious. The pink <laughs> car returns. Oh man, I cannot wait. We, we're on a roll. I'm here. really excited for this next episode. One of my top, easily top five episodes of this show. Wow. So like, but of this show of TFA, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. So like, not like all a Transformers. Ooh, well, it's very high up there in that list too. Wow. It's really good. That's awesome. Well, you'll have to um, uh, stick around for that in the future. Um, uh, I guess in, until until then, till Haller One. My name is Mike Seibert. I'm Michael Andrews, and uh, and we'll we'll see you somewhere uh, around the way over over the rainbow. I can't not say make good choices. I have to tell Eat these people pizza. to make good choices. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pizza, pizza. <laughs> Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, two mics, two furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mics Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mics Too Furious. And raise your voice. Leave us a voicemail message 
at 260-274-MIKE. Again, that's 260-274-6453. You are Mike. And, um, and so, yeah, I see what I did in my notes. I, I, I got, I got so excited. You got chocolate on him is what happened. You just, yes. <laughs> so, 